need to I need to finish this uh, this book. We have gone through the book of Acts verse by verse, and the whole theme of chapter twenty eight is that the gospel keeps going. Um, if you read the uh, a lot of books, there's two words down at the end of the last page, and it basically says the end. But one neat thing about your Bible, especially with the books, book of Acts, is it doesn't end that way. It doesn't say the end. That'd be a very sad book of the church if it said that's the end. It doesn't do that. Now, what we've done is, is uh, we've worked through the book of Acts and we discovered that there's no final chapter to the book of Acts. And uh, just holding your place there, as I've said, this year we have been focusing on a year of motion where Christianity is Christians being active and in motion with the gospel that is still changing lives. Our memory verse has been Acts 5.42. Let's look there. And we memorize that at the beginning of the year, and I hope you still remember it. Say it with me, will you? Acts 5.42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Key words. They were daily and they ceased not. They couldn't quit. So we started back in chapter 1 with Jesus back alive from the grave, promising to return again soon, which is even more soon than ever. Then a small group of about 120 believers in an upper room in chapter 2 were praying and waiting for the filling of the Holy Spirit. And he came, and they turned the world upside down. Uh, from Jerusalem to Judea, into Samaria, into Ethiopia, Caesarea, Antioch, and throughout modern Turkey. Then off into Macedonia, Corinth, and Athens, and all Greece, through troubles and persecutions, impossible obstacles, everything they overcame. The gospel message was what they preached, what they taught, and what they explained, and what they believed. And they carried it, and as we get to chapter 28, they're going... The gospel's going all the way to Rome. As a matter of fact, it already had gotten there. And all of this had happened in less than 10 years. It is a phenomenal testimony to the power, not of armies and not of politics and not to the power of money and influence, but to the power of the gospel and of somebody being willing to just share it. Now, we left off uh, last week. Well, let me finish up here. Let me off last week with Paul. 275 other souls uh, shipwrecked. Okay, that's what a way to leave a, uh, at the end of a program. It says, tune in next week to find out what happens. Well, uh, they come ashore on an island. They do not know even what the name of the island is because the, the hurricane is still blowing. And as we come to chapter 28, let's find out how this book in our Bible ends and see if we could add our own chapter to it. So let's go to chapter 28 and verse 1 now. Acts chapter 28 and verse 1. <clears throat> and when they were escaped, again, they've all come to land. I mean, this was a horrible shipwreck. The storm has broken apart the ship. Many of them should have died, but they all get to shore, just as Paul said they would. When they were all escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. You know, you're in the Bible. <laughs> and the barbarous people showed unto us no little kindness. It's an old way of saying they showed them a lot of kindness. 
For they kindled a fire, received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. They come across, come ashore, and uh, this storm is continuing. It hasn't stopped yet. There's no bright sunny day yet. It is still cold and wet and they're drenched and they, they, they come uh, onto this shore and barbarous people, barbarians come up and start being kind to them. Now, when the Bible uses the term barbarous, it means foreigners. That's all it means. It means people that speak another language and maybe they look a little different and, oh, these people, they're scary. And then those people, those barbarous people, showed great kindness to what kind of people? 275 accused criminals. These men had been in chains. They looked tattered. They're all, you know, six foot two and four foot wide, and they're all dangerous looking. And these foreigners, these people on this island, had just showed kindness to them. Hey, folks, kindness can come from anybody. Make sure it comes from us. If you're saved, shouldn't you be kind to one another? Shouldn't we show kindness? Somebody comes in, they talk different, look different, cook different, eat different, walk different. I don't care what it is, be kind. Our, you know, our generations have gone through times where we've just torn into one another because everybody, just somebody was different in a certain way. But don't be so harsh. Barbarous people can show kindness. Then, verse 3, what do you do when a viper bites a snake here look in verse 3 and when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire there came a viper out of the heat and fashioned on his hand all right now get the picture uh, this snake is hiding inside these this wood pile and I grew up in Texas and one of the surest things you knew was there was always a snake in the wood pile you don't go and just grab up a bunch of sticks without pulling them up one at a time because There'd be rattlesnakes, copperheads, all kinds of different snakes that would find warmth in that, that uh, wood pile. And so he goes and he picks up this bundle, and as soon as he puts it into the fire, the snake jumps out and fastened on his hand. Look at verse 4. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, look at that, I mean, it's just, just, just dangling there with a grip on his hand. They said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance. We, we see somebody would say karma suffereth not to live. He's been caught. He's been found out. Verse five, and he shook off the beast into the fire and he felt no harm. Howbeit when they looked, when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly, which is what normally happens, but after they looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said unto him that he must be Superman. He must be a god. He must be supernatural. All right, so I want you to think for a second, because this is very practical here. I mean the bite. A viper has a fast, striking, venomous uh, uh, bite that, um, uh, that is very deadly. Its bite causes extreme pain, then shock, and then in less than an hour or two, a certain death. You stiffen up, your, your face goes dark, your heart stops, and you die. Now, when they see this guy attacked by this snake, and then Paul sitting there 
And, and yes, he casts it off. We'll talk about that in a second. But they expect him. He's going to go through what anybody else normally would have. He's going to die. And they have a conclusion that fate has caught up with him. Now, Paul is probably still in chains. Uh, and they conclude he's got to be a bad guy. And, and don't do that. Just because somebody's got a bad experience in their life doesn't mean that, oh, they probably deserve it. No, that was the mistake of Job's friends. You do not know. Right? Best thing to do is pray for them. Even if you know they deserve it, don't you pray and say, God, I'm glad they got it, because you'll be next. So the conclusion was this guy uh, deserved justice. And all cultures believe that. All cultures say, oh, he got what he uh, got coming. But look at what Paul does. What does Paul do in this whole thing? Verse 5. And he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Now, this is breathtaking because Paul had an attitude. What was the attitude? He wasn't going to allow that snake to just hang on him there. Now, this is very practical because this will apply to you and me in just a moment. He didn't let it uh, hold on to him. And most of us would do the same. I mean, if you, ever, if you ever looked over there and you saw a spider crawling up your arm, what do you do? You don't say, oh, good morning. <laughs> Maybe Bill does, but the rest of us, we go, get it off. We fling it away, okay? So he chucks it away. That's an attitude. That's okay. But he acted. He, he had that, that thing, and he threw it right back into the fire where it belonged. And then he smiled and waited. Now, he had no control over what was going to happen. He left it in God's hand, and... Uh, there are four principles here. When he shook that snake off, he gives us four principles of what to do when we get hurt. You see, number one, uh, I say six principles. I thought I changed that. I hope I got the right one. There are four principles. Ah, it's not here. I don't know what happened. Sorry about that. There are four principles. Let me give it to you. Number one, you cannot control your life. You can't control what just happened in your life. An accident with a car health problems, getting fired. You can do your best trying to repair. You can't expect what's going to happen with the electricity. You can't control what happens in your life, can you? Paul is helpless. No doctor could help him. Panicking won't help. And if you had been here about an hour and a half ago, you would have met a panicking man. And I knew I cannot make this thing work. I can't make that electricity come on. So I prayed and I said, I'm going to bring two electrical cords in here and Bless God, we've got church, amen? You can't panic. And you can't get upset at the situation. You get really mad. Oh, why did this have to happen? I know how it feels. But it doesn't change anything. You cannot control life. Number two, you have to trust that somebody else is in control. And it's not the devil. You see, when Job sat there on that ash heap, he knew the problem wasn't his enemy, Satan, because his enemy had robbed him of everything. He knew God was ultimately in control. And that is where your first, that's your first wise step. Remember, God is in control. Trust in him. Trust the promises of God and then rest. How do you, how do you rest? Well, number one, you pray and ask God for help. Don't forget to pray. When you're panicking, you're doing the wrong thing. What should you be doing? Praying. Asking for wisdom. Asking God, God, tell me what to do and I'll do it because I don't know what to do. Trust the promises of God. Paul knew that, you know what? God can make this thing turn out good. And he can. 
believe that God will do the right thing. And then go ahead and, and you know what Paul did when he was thrown into a prison with Silas? They sang. You know what Paul did when he was on a ship singing? He sang and he praised God and he thanked God. You see, when you've moved from, I can't control this thing. I'm just going to trust God. I might as well sing and praise him and, and let him be in charge of the outcome. I'll trust him. And then throw whatever hurt you back into hell. See, I want to what, what, uh, well, shake it off. Let me start here. Uh, whatever stabs you in the heart, and maybe it happens regularly, whatever's offended you, whatever's hurt you, whenever Satan has thrown something at you and tried to enslave you to, to, to your past or to a hurt or to a word that somebody said, there are people now 50 years old still remembering what their parents told them when they were five. That was a snake bite, and they still have that hanging on their life. You're going to have to decide, i got to shake it off. Not because you have willpower, not because you have the strength to do it, but because you're trusting that I can shake it off. By the power of the grace of God, I can walk away not only from sin, I can also walk away free from sorrow. He bore my sins and my griefs and my sorrows. He's, a, he's equated with everything that I went through. Not only did he die for my sin, but he died for everybody that ever hurt me and every hurt that I carry. There comes a time when I find and I look at my life and I see something still hanging there and I say, it's time to get rid of it. I need to shake it off. And then I need to throw it back to hell where it came from. Don't let anything continue to hurt you and hold on to you. We need to live in the moment. About an hour and a half when I got here and the power didn't come on, in that moment I was panicking. In that moment I was praying. In that moment I was worried, how are we going to have church? I mean, I could be raining, people would be freezing cold. I can't tell everybody we're just going to sit outside in the, in the porch over there. I'm just worrying about all that thing. And I just decided I'm not going to let this moment of no power define what, we're, what God's going to do in the next hour. And I just trusted God. And I'm just giving you, this is the right situation right here. I just decided, Lord, I'll trust you. And I shook it off, and I didn't give it another thought. And I just put this stuff out there. And you came, and we're having church. Isn't that good? And in the moment, you can be upset. In the moment, you can be hurt like you've never been before. But that moment needs to be passed. And that moment, if you would live in the moment and say, I'm shaking it off. I'm not numb to the hurt. I'm not ignoring the hurt, but I'm not going to let whatever somebody said or whatever somebody did define the rest of my life. I'm going to let what God said and what Jesus did define my life. Throw it back to hell. Put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. I sometimes visualize some, some besetting sin or some thought or some hurt or whatever, and I just take it. And I take that thing in my mental mind and I put it under the blood of Jesus Christ, like drowning it. And I say, stay there. <laughs> now, the next morning, I may find it still running around in my head and I grab it again and I put it under the blood and I say, um, I, I put you under the blood of Jesus Christ and I trust that the blood of Jesus Christ can purge my conscience from this dead work. And I let it die because it doesn't belong on me. You know what belongs on me? The life of Christ. That book belongs on me and in me, not some past hurt. Just know this. 
if you let that hurt and that past experience hold on to your heart, it'll win. It will win. And I'm tired of letting the past win when Jesus is past, present, and future victor. So by the grace of God, you can nail that hurt. Somebody, something, lack of something, nail it to the cross, and you can walk away. Just like with sin, you can put your sin on that cross, you can put your hurt on that cross, and be free. Now, verse 7 comes along there, and uh, let's read down to verse 10. The same quarters were possessions of the chief man of the island, whose name was Publius, who received us and lodged us three days courteously. It came to pass that the father of Publius lay sick of a fever and a bloody flux, to whom Paul entered in and prayed and laid his hands on him and healed him. So when this was done, others also which had diseases in the island came and were healed, who also honored us with many honors. And when we departed, they laded us with such things as were necessary. Stop for a second. Think about what just happened in the midst of everything. I mean, it's raining, it's cold. Paul's just been bit by a venomous snake. Yes, he shook it off. And then Paul hears that the... The, the chief, all right, the island chief, we call the Irish for it, is Taoiseach. The chief of the island um, has a dad who's sick. And this sick father needs somebody to care about him. And instead of Paul being asked, see, nobody knew what to do, but Paul went in and he cared about a man he didn't know. Here's an accused criminal praying over an old man who was very sick. Now, what the man had, it talks about a bloody flux, which means a bloody flow. He had a fever. He had dysentery is what he had. Now, dysentery is something Irish don't, don't get very often. It's very rare, okay? You may have diarrhea, but you don't have dysentery. Dysentery will kill you. But it kills people all over this world constantly. And um, uh, this, this man is dying in agony, and Paul goes over there and prays for You know, Paul had that power. Paul was an apostle, and if you had the ability to be a blessing to somebody, shouldn't you do it? I mean, you, 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 you ever hear somebody, they go, is there a doctor in the house? Because somebody just dropped over. And wouldn't it be a shame if there was a doctor, I don't want to be bothered right now. Isn't there somebody who'll pray? Isn't there somebody who'll intercede? Christians? We're so secluded. We're so individualistic. We've been affected by the world where we forget. We forget. The ESB is here, John, if you want to tell them. Uh, he can listen to the message as well. <laughs> Don't let the lights come on uh, until he's ready. So, all right. So, uh, he approached the Father, prayed for him, healed him right in there. That's just kindness. And uh, that island was never the same. That barbarous, those barbarous people looked at those criminals and they started giving them everything they needed so they could get on another boat, everything they had lost in the ship uh, that, that had crashed. They, the, 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 now this is, again, this is Malta, if I hadn't said it. This is the island of Malta. And they put it on that boat, get them and send them on their way. You know, Publius, the chief, according to history, he becomes the first pastor of the first church there in Malta. You know, what kindness of, of just one man like Paul, what that could affect a, a neighborhood, a community, a country. The island was never the same. And on to Rome, verse 11 now. 
And after three months, we departed in a ship of Alexandria, Egypt, which was wintered in the isle, whose sign was Castor and Pollux. And landing at Syracuse, we tarried there three days, and from thence we fetched a compass, which means <laughs> we took a circle, and came to Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew, and we came the next day to Puteoli. Sounds like we're going to pizza. We're going to Italy. Where we found brethren. I mean, look at where Christianity had reached. And were desired to tarry with them seven days. And so we went towards Rome. Um, verse, verse 15. From thence, when the brethren heard of us, they came to meet us as far as Appii Forum. Then the three taverns, whom when Paul saw, they thanked God. And he thanked God. And he took courage from brethren coming and, 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 and just, just spending time with him. And... and, and it must have just been wonderful to be around other Christians. Don't you ever feel that on a Sunday? I mean, it seems like an eternity from Sunday afternoon until the next Sunday morning, doesn't it? That's why on Wednesday we say, let's get together again and have prayer and have Bible study because it's just too long. Because if you're going through and by Tuesday you just want to jump off a building, it's because you haven't been around other Christians that encourage you. And Paul got encouraged. Again, he's still in chains. He's still on his way to Rome as an accused criminal. Verse 15, uh, oh, I said verse 15. Verse 16, and when they came to Rome, oh, let me stop there for a second. Well, yeah, I'll do 16. And when they came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard. But Paul was suffered. He was allowed to dwell by himself with a soldier that kept him in house arrest. So he's going on to Rome. He stayed three months in Malta waiting for the weather to change. It was October. Now it's about February. And they head on up from Malta uh, up to Syracuse in Sicily, where they make a great pizza. And then from Syracuse to Regium and Regium all the way up to Puteoli, all the way up to a place called Rome, the center of the universe as far as they were concerned. And what had God done? God had kept his promise. God promised while Paul was on that boat in the middle of the Mediterranean sinking, God said, you're going to get to Rome. And you know what? He did. And if God wants you somewhere, he'll get you there. Ask Jonah. Amen? You see, the will of God is, is, is where to be. And if you trust, if, if you just get right in the middle of the will of God, he will get you all the way. If you want to go and live your own way, man, you're risking your life. Christian, let me tell you, the, 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 uh, this, this, this stubborn pride that we have that keeps us from, from just doing the right thing, and finding the will of God and living it, it we, we shorten our lives. Because the promises of God are for those who love him and are willing to just follow him wherever he takes us. It's better than anything. Paul had, God had kept his promise. Can you imagine Paul walking in Jerusalem? I'm sorry, Jerusalem, into Rome. And he's walking through, and this city, it had about a million people in it. I think London had at this time about 500 <laughs> But Rome had a million people, and it was a super civilized city, marble everywhere, mass. He's walking through this city. He sits down, look, there's there in verse uh, 17. He calls for other Jews to gather with him. Verse 17, it came to pass that after three days, Paul called the chief of the Jews together, and when they were come together, he said unto them, men and brethren, Though I have committed nothing against the people or customs of our fathers, yet was I delivered prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. 
who, when they had examined me, would have let me go, except there was no cause, uh, because there was no cause of death in me. But when the Jews spake against it, I was constrained to appeal unto Caesar, not that I had ought to accuse my nation of, for this cause, therefore, have I called for you to see you and to speak with you. He loved his people. Because that for the hope of Israel, and you need to circle those words, I am bound with this chain. So he makes a final defense, and he speaks it right to the Jews because he's been accused by the Jewish Sanhedrin. It's a, uh, he's a, a state criminal in their eyes. And... Um, uh, he's, he's in under house arrest, so he couldn't go anywhere, so he called for people to come to him. And he says, guys, I'm innocent. Whatever you heard about me, I am innocent. And everything I am doing, as I stay the course, and I know what I'm supposed to be doing, I'm doing it for the hope of Israel. Now, those are very amazing words. Because you've got to ask yourself, why was Paul pursuing this high court case? He could have walked away from this, just gone into hiding. Could have gone home to, uh, to uh, Cilicia. Could have gone anywhere. But he stays this course to wake up the people of Israel. Let me stop you for a second. What are you willing to do for Ireland? I mean, this country needs to be woke up, and we need some Irish to wake it up. Paul says, I'm willing to go all the way to the high court so that the Jews will hear the gospel. I want to remind the Jewish people of their one great hope, the hope of an eternal kingdom that was promised to us a long time ago. Take your Bible, go to Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Acts chapter 1 and verse 6. Jesus is getting ready to ascend, and just before that, the disciples gather around him in verse 6, first chapter of Acts. And when they were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord will at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? What were they curious about? What were they burdened about? About that promised kingdom. And Paul says, don't lose that hope. Don't dare lose that hope. The hope of Israel is that Israel is going to be the head and the nations of the world are going to be the tail. They're going back up to the top. We're just in, just by the grace of God. I'll talk about that in a second. And it's, it's their hope. They also have the hope of everlasting life. Uh, keep going, chapter 23. Go back to Acts chapter 23. See, what kind of people did Jesus preach to, witness to, heal, talk to, and die for at first? was the Jews. Acts chapter 23 and verse 6, it says this, But when Paul perceived that one part were Sadducees, and the other of his accusers were Pharisees, he cried out in the council, Men and brethren, I am a Pharisee, the son of a Pharisee, of the hope, here's our words, and resurrection of the dead, I am called in question. He says, don't you forget, death is not the end. Paul was willing to die because he knew that was not the end. Because we, Bible believers, have hope even beyond death. Now chapter, um, chapter 26, Acts chapter 26 and verse 6. You can read it. <laughs> I know it's dark. Paul said, And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. A hope is something that you know is coming, but you don't have it yet. It's not a guess. I mean, I, I, I have the hope of heaven. 
But don't think I'm only hoping like we normally say. No, I know it's coming. I just don't, I'm just not there yet. And Paul says, the hope that we have, oh, verse 6, let me read it again. And now I stand and am judged for the hope, the confident hope of the promise made of God under our fathers, under which promise our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night. We hope to come for which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. And that hope was the Messiah coming and dying and being buried and resurrecting for Israel. So now that gets the attention of these guys. Verse 21, back there in Acts chapter 28, and verse 21, that gets their attention because verse 21, and they said unto him, we neither received letters out of Judea concerning thee, neither any of the brethren that came showed or spake any harm of thee. That's kind of funny. I have to say this. Paul thought, his case was being talked about by all the Jews, and the Jews said, we've never heard of you, <laughs> which is kind of humorous because listen to what they say next. Uh, verse 22, but we desire to hear of thee what thou thinkest for concerning this sect. Now, sect is what we would call the word cult. We know that everywhere it, Jesus, is spoken against. So Paul thought he was kind of famous. But Paul wasn't as famous as Jesus, amen. And that's how it always ought to be. You may be talking to somebody and you may say, don't you know who I am? And they go, no, it doesn't matter who you are. It matters, have they ever heard of Jesus? And they may not be interested, but believe me, people have heard. People know about him and people have already got all kinds of messed up ideas about him, but that was okay. Verse 22 says, we want to hear from you. We're interested. We will hear about this. At least they were open-minded. Verse uh, uh, um, 22, let me read it against, uh, again, but we desire to hear of thee, what thou thinkest, for as concerning this sect, we know that everywhere it is spoken against. And when they had appointed him a day, there came many unto him unto his lodging. <laughs> he can't go to church, so he's got church coming to him. Um, to whom he expounded and testified the kingdom of God. That's what he talked about. Not the kingdom of Rome or the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of... No, but the kingdom of God persuading them concerning Jesus, both out of the law of Moses and out of the prophets from morning until evening. Look at that just up there. We want to hear about this, what you got. And so Paul did his best. And I think probably Paul just was... was um, what do you want to say? He was at his pinnacle. He was being as precise. He was being as passionate. He was going through as many scriptures, answering every question, connecting every dot, thinking surely this is going to get them to believe. And they didn't. Some believed, but some rejected. Look in verse 24. And some believed the things which were spoken, and some believed not. That is free will. You know, free will means you can remain stupid <laughs> you can decide to just believe that the world is flat moon is made of cheese you can believe whatever you want we got to finish amen <laughs> so they can get free but free will does not mean you have the right to the conclusion that you have the right to facts you better know what you're choosing folks Paul did his best to open their eyes. Your eternity rests on how you respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, not your good works. 
You know what makes a person a Christian? You may be able to look at somebody and say, that looks like a Christian. Oh, that, that person doesn't look like a Christian. You could be completely wrong because your efforts, your works, your religion, your prayer life, your upstanding, your influence means nothing to God. Christ in you makes you a Christian. Now, it ought to have an effect. But being a Christian is receiving Jesus Christ. That's what you've got to do. And we've, listen, we've got it backwards because we say, oh, that's a good person. Oh, that's a very good person. They may be good on the outside, but on the inside, if they're not born again, if Jesus Christ is not Savior of their soul, they will die and go to a devil's hell. And that's what Paul is doing his best to stop and to wake people up to. Now, I've got to finish. This was not what the Jews were supposed to do. Paul knew that, come on, God promised that all Israel was supposed to be saved. Let me just quote here, Isaiah 45, verse 17. Israel shall be saved in the Lord with an everlasting salvation. Ye Jews shall not be ashamed or confounded, world without end. Jeremiah 23, verse 5. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, like genealogy branch. And a king shall reign and prosper, son of David, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. In his days, Judah shall be saved. And Israel, too, it shall dwell safely. And this is his name whereby he, the Messiah, shall be called the Lord our righteousness. That's a promise that Israel would be saved. Romans chapter 11, verse 26 says, And so all Israel shall be saved. As it is written, there shall come out of Zion the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this my covenant is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. When Israel came out of Egypt, how many of them, Israel, how many of them were saved? Every one of them. They all got out of Egypt. When they all went through the Red Sea, how many Jews got saved? All of them were delivered from, from uh, the Egyptians chasing after them. And one of these days, all Israel shall be saved. The whole lot of them. Now they're not now, but they all will be. Unfortunately, right now, the majority of them are stubborn, arrogant, closed-minded, and unbelieving. That's how they are. Don't you join them. If your kids are like that, your parents are like that, pray for them. Because Paul doing his best to open their eyes because he didn't want any of his own brethren, his own kind, his own nationality to die without Christ. It was very grieving to Paul. Let me hold there. It was very grieving to Paul. That, this, that these Jews were unbelieving. Um, verse 25 of Acts chapter 28. And when they agreed not among themselves, they departed after that Paul had spoken one word. And he said this, Well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet unto our fathers, saying, Go unto this people and say, Hearing ye shall hear and shall not understand. Seeing ye shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is waxed gross. Waxed means become gross, full. And their ears are dull of hearing. They're bored. And their eyes have they closed. And lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. Paul is grieving saying, guys, don't you realize you're fulfilling your own scripture? This is not how it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be the ones that believed in the Messiah and you're walking away from him. You're the one that grew up in church. I'm talking to you guys now. 
Some of you were kids in, in, in uh, Christmas place. Some of you have had the gospel preached to you week after week after week, and you still sit there and you're not saved. You're supposed to be saved. But yeah, you've got your own will. It's not the way it's supposed to be. And if you die and I have to do your funeral, boy, I hope I know that I know that I know that you've told me, yes, Brother Ledbetter, I know I'm saved. Because the hardest funeral is to try to rejoice over somebody we don't know where you're at. And that was Paul. He was worried. But it doesn't end there. Let's finish this up now. Verse 28. Be it known, uh, therefore, unto you that the salvation of God, meant for Israel only, not only, but uh, primarily at first, is sent unto the Gentiles now, and that they will hear it. Rejection by the Jews meant non-Jews, Gentiles, pagans, heathens get the promise of salvation. You know, when you give somebody an envelope and they don't know what's inside, but in that envelope is 500 euros in cash, you know, and they reject it. Wow. What are you going to do with that? You'll give it to somebody else, won't you? Well, here's this priceless gift given to Israel, and they, as a nation, not individually, there are people that do get saved, a lot of completed Jews, Messianic Jews, they get born again. But the general gift that was given to Israel has now been given to you and to me. What a thing, man. You know, uh, it was offered to, to us, and some of us want it, be it known unto you, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, when the Irish continually reject the gospel, guess where it's going? It's going to go somewhere else. And they'll receive it. That's why we need to keep praying for Ireland, keep working, because Ireland's acting just like the Jews right now. Verse 30. We'll finish this up. It says this. Oh, I didn't finish there. Uh, verse uh, 29 and when he had said these words the Jews departed and had great reasoning among themselves so at least they're still talking verse 30 and Paul dwelt two whole years in his own hired house and received all that came unto him preaching the kingdom of God what and teaching those things which concern the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence no man for forbidding him as if to say dot 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 where's the end I mean, it doesn't tell me about his death. Now, history tells us that he goes before Nero and his case is rejected and he is condemned and he is beheaded. But the Holy Spirit just told Luke at this point, don't, don't write anymore. I want Bible Baptist Church and Balancholic to add a chapter now. I want you to realize that Paul is continuing to preach. He's staying in motion. He, even though he's chains have bound him he's not bound he's got people coming and they're talking and debating and he's praying with and he's witnessing to and he's teaching and discipling and he's not going to stop until every last breath is gone that's a good example that's our example even though he's imprisoned in chains in bad health not many friends living in a foreign land Hunted and hated by his own countrymen. He's tired. He just kept going. I'd like to try, I'd like to try to write a, another chapter. 
We're 2,000 years later. I don't know. Maybe we're around chapter 4,322 by now of church history still keeping the same thing going on. Acts has been a study of Christianity in motion, not of sitting in church. I mean, it takes a lot of effort to get people just to come to church, doesn't it? But that's not Christianity. Christianity is supposed to be acts. The gospel is Jesus. After we get Jesus, we need to get active. Next comes the book of Acts in our life. We need to be busy praying, soul winning, preaching, teaching, discipling, gathering together, daily and weekly as a church, taking care of one another, enduring persecutions, living holy. All for what? Why? Think about it for a second. The very same gospel, the very same gospel that Jesus of Jesus that Paul preached spread throughout the world. Thousands getting saved after the upper room experience with the Holy Spirit. The Ethiopian eunuch getting saved and baptized. Cornelius, then Saul of Tarsus. Churches planted all over the Middle East into Turkey, Greece, and Italy. And then it got to Texas. And a woman at a coffee shop said, where are you going when you die? And I said, who knows and who cares? And she provoked me to come to church and hear the gospel. And God saved me and here I am in Ireland. Isn't that the book of Acts? It's all for what? It's for you. I mean, what am I doing here? I mean, the gospel moved me over here to reach somebody right here today, and it's got your name on it. I wonder where it'll go next. Would you stand with me as we bow in prayer? What a wonderful book, Father. It took four different books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, four different authors trying to record the things that Jesus taught to give us a full picture of this life of Jesus and the death and the burial and resurrection of it for our sin, for a changed life, for our marriages, for our families, everything that he taught. But that wasn't the end. It then took off into the world the book of Acts has been a fantastic book, watching it move. And I pray that it would move today. Don't let it stop, dear Lord. Don't ever let two words be written in our lives, the end, until our last breath is breathed. Lord, even then it's not the end. I pray even after our death, God, people would get saved. People would look at our lives and say, wow, that was somebody who really believed. That was somebody who really loved God, really did their best. And I want to continue it. There are great people who have um, been my example. Here, Paul is the greatest to me. I want to be just like him all the way to the end, Lord. God, if there'd be somebody this morning who'd say, all that effort? Why? Never retired. Paul never retired, never quit. Why don't preachers quit? Why don't they give up? Why keep going? Why keep having church when it's hard? When persecution gets tough, why don't we just retire? Why don't we? Because every soul is worth it, and the souls in this room, Father, are worth everything to you, worth the whole world. 
And would somebody cry out to you right now from their heart of hearts and say, Lord, all that work just to win my attention, to win my soul, everything that Jesus did, I trust to be enough. And I ask you to save a wretch like me now. If you do that, <laughs> you'd have eternal life. I pray that every one of the Christians here, if we've got eternal life, let's live like it. In Jesus' name, amen. You've got a chorus book there.